Blog Talk Radio. Thank you. 
Welcome to the Great Air Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio. And what an opening uh, team USA trials on on their way right now. Finished session one, session two in Orlando. And so um, pretty exciting. World Women's Game is going to start off tomorrow up to the 29th during the NFL uh, Pro Bowl series. So uh, welcome to uh, the Blitz. Oscar Lopez here, your host. Uh, alongside Troy Wilson and Nkishi Free. We have a great show today. Um, we have the Utah Falcons uh, championship coach, uh, Rick Rasmussen, who will be in here in a couple minutes. We're going to talk about Falcons and everything else going on into the women's game as we go into the summer aspect of things. Uh, but uh, first, we're going to knock off pretty much the NFL um, conference championships. So, uh, Troy, are you there? Yep, I'm here. All right, buddy. Uh, you know what? I, I said TB12 was going to take care of business. He did his job. Unfortunately, um, Le, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell went down, you know, in that aspect. And then D'Angelo Williams couldn't make up the difference there. But uh, Rodgers just let me down, dude. Rodgers just did not come. And I think it's just because the whole team was either, you know, banged up, and which probably was the case at this point. And so their run ends, and Matt Ryan looking like uh, a la Kurt Warner and the Rams. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was also disappointed in um, you know the Packers' performance. I you know I had the Packers winning that game, and uh, especially the way that they they kind of put it all together going down the stretch. Um, uh, you know, starting off uh, four and six, and then reeling off. Uh, you know, six straight wins to finish the season, win a division, and then going on and, and winning two playoff games. And so, you know, I expected Aaron Rodgers to make a run a la 2009. But, you know, they just, uh, to me, it looked like they just suffered too many injuries, and uh, especially at the cornerback position because, I mean, even in those wins that they had, I mean, NFL teams were targeting Ladarius Gunter, number 36 for the Packers, incessantly because he just flat out could not play. And so, um, you know, it wasn't so much time, you know, they were going to have to keep going through with that and to, you know, for it to catch up with them. I I didn't think it would happen, but it it, it really caught up with them because Kyle Shanahan just attacked this guy all throughout the day, which is what you should do um, when you're facing a team with a weakness. Yeah, and you know what? Julio didn't miss a step coming in here. There was question marks whether he was going to play ideally to his, you know, to his excellent level. It just they spread the ball out so well, and uh, you got to give credit Dan Quinn. I mean, look at it. Look at this guy just in the Super Bowl. There's not much you can say about that. He's, uh, he's put in a very good program. Shanahan unfortunately will go to the <laughs> to the Bay, which is a disaster in itself. And we'll see how he can turn that, you know, offense around in terms of in the NFC West. But for now, uh, you know, we got to congratulate that. And also, we got to give a shout out to Katie Sowers, uh, formerly of the KC Titans. Um, she's on the staff, the scouting staff for the Atlanta Falcons, and so she's actually going to Houston with the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, Arthur Blank, who I personally work with when I was a, uh, a manager with Home Depot, which I admire very well, very uh, awesome businessman. Um, so he's going to pretty much take everybody. That's awesome for him. Everybody in the uh, organization is flying to Houston for the Super Bowl. So hats off to him too. I mean, class, you know, class act. I mean, 
the way Arthur Blank, you know, uh, he, he didn't want to get rid of Mike White when he did. Um, but to, you know, they, they had to make changes. And when they made a change at the head coach position, and then he comes in and he brings in Kyle Shanahan, which is one of the best minds. So you on both sides of the ball, you got, you know, a, a great defensive mind. And then the offense, the head, the head coach, who was a defensive guy, has the wherewithal to bring in an offensive guy. And, you know, the way that they're trying to run that program is just the right way to do it. They had missteps last year, but you, I, I like the way that their ownership runs, especially with them getting a new stadium. He's just constantly looking for revenue streams. Uh, I just think it's a great thing what the Falcons are doing. I'm I'm actually very happy that they're in the Super Bowl. If you know, um, and, and so I'd like to see how they play uh, going forward. It's good. it's just going to be an awesome feat the way that they run the especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and you got to sort of like uh, the Rams when Marshall Falk was there, but in court in a quarterback sense and a receiver sense, you have your main weapons, which is. You had Warner and Bruce. Here you have Jones and Ryan, and you got a good core front seven on defense. So that right there is, you know, a good formula to get you to the Super Bowl, and that's that's where they're at now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's you know they built that team strategically, and you know the picks that they made, everything is coming to fruition with. But but you know what, the guys that stirred the drink, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Completely dynamic, uh, you know, combination that they had. I believe last year, Julio Jones quietly had like 1,900 yards. I believe. I mean, he he was just he was lights out. And this year, he's just taken over. I think, you know, it kind of goes back and forth. Who's the best corner? Who's the best wide receiver in the NFL? And it kind of goes back and forth. And this year, uh, Julio Jones has proved that to me he's the best uh, wide receiver in the NFL. I was very impressed with Gabriel as well. Um, you have, you know, a, a lot of weapons on this Falcon team to spread the ball out, and I, and I think that's what they did. Like you said, they attacked the the Packer weakness, pass rush. Uh, they held um, uh, Rodgers basically contained, couldn't really get anything started, dropped balls by pretty much Cook and Cobbs, and pretty much everybody just on the Packer side was just not you – know, they weren't on in their game. So that really, it's you know, it was a little, literally flip over of what we saw against the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, just like we were just uh, alluding to that as far as like, um, you know, the, the pickups that they had in the off season with Taylor Gabriel. He's a cast off from Cleveland. I mean, you would think that Cleveland would need all the good players that they can, but this guy went down. And he had a great season. He had bought in Muhammad Sanu from Cincinnati. Uh, you even had Aldrick Robinson. He used to be with uh, the Redskins in, in Baltimore. And, you know, the, the, the way that they acquired their players, it was, you know, it was great. They put their team together right. But I'm very interested to see how they're going to match up or rather how New England is going to match up with them because New England has this, this penchant to take away what you do best. But Atlanta, they do so many things well. You could go ahead and try to take away Julio Jones, but he, just like we just talked to, he can go ahead and you know, Taylor Gabriel. Uh, he can go ahead and throw it to the tight end, who's an up-and-coming guy, to Alola. Um, and, and they also run the football, by the way. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be a very interesting matchup with that team. They have so much firepower on that offensive side of the ball. That's what makes them intriguing. The the dual threat at running back is probably the most impressive thing all season between the combination of Freeman and Coleman. Really, 
kind of puts kind of puts that game plan together like when you used to have Falk and your fullback mentality when Mike March system. So it's sort of like that that type of system where you can play him uh, uh, on screens and and either one is, is a threat to catch the ball on the side. So they've done well. And Shanahan, like to, to your mentioning, he's obviously put something together that is working very well for them. Yeah, and then you have uh, you have Coleman, um, who was you know one of those Indiana running backs, and again we talking about uh, player acquisition. And I'm I'm big on like you know programs, and I uh, excuse me, uh, Indiana's starting to put together a little bit of a run, aren't they? I mean, so they you know they just had this kid Coleman, he was an Indiana product, and then you had uh, Jordan Howard for the sense for Chicago Bears, you know, keep an eye on them Indiana running backs. Uh, but, yeah, the way that they use them with Freeman and Coleman going back and forth, that's what you want to see. And then typically what you want to see is – or what you typically see is a guy – they call it a change of pace guy. You know, one guy's a big battering ram, the other guy's a fast, quick guy. But both of those guys are quick. Both of those guys are really good out of the backfield. You really don't see that a whole lot. And so uh, that just adds an interesting dynamic to their offense also. Yeah, the burst for both of them um, on the A-gaps is very impressive. Once they create the, uh, the opening, they really do have some, you know, they don't, they're not major speed, but enough to get you, you know, that first down or more. So it's very consistent with them. And they've stayed healthy all season, so you've got to give them credit. And this, this whole Atlanta team is so, it's healthy minus, you know, some, ding, you know, some things that are happening to Julio and minor things like ankles and stuff, which could heal over two weeks. That's not a major issue. So, um, you know, hats off to Dan Quinn and uh, Arthur Blank out there. Like I said, uh, one of my former bosses, and he's an amazing guy. And I've met him uh, three times, met him as a star manager at, at conferences and stuff like that. So I, I know he's, uh, you know, he's very passionate about loyal to his employees and loyal to his, uh, you know, people that are around him. So, uh, you know, hats off to him. It's great. I'm wishing him uh, success in the Super Bowl, you know, coming from a Ram fan. Uh, you know, I'm a Patriots hater technically in a, in a lot of ways, but uh, I, I mean, it's a, it's a cool story. That's all. That's really down to it. So, um, Troy, TB12, uh, as soon as Le'Veon Bell went down, the Steelers just went down. They just didn't have uh, really any any uh, answer for them. And Hogan just <laughs> literally a first half embarrassment for Pittsburgh. I mean, this kid just you know, first first catches, three catches, and in the end zone, and you're in. So that was kind of impressive. Yeah, but, you know, we saw flashes from this from Chris Hogan uh, last year with Buffalo where it just seemed like even, you know, with that team, he was making big play after big play after big play. And friends of mine, you know, when, when we saw that Chris Hogan was going to Buffalo, and we would say, you know what, man, that's a typical Belichick pick, you know, because he did the same thing with Wes Welker. Wes Welker was a, you know, just a quick guy, um, you know, pump returns and things of that nature down in Miami being big plays. And it was the same thing with Chris Hogan. And so Belichick spotted that. And to see him go off like that, he hadn't had a game like that, you know, since he's been here. He's been effective, but he, and he's made plays here and there. But he didn't have a huge game like that. But you got to take your hat off the TB12, man. I mean, listen, Tommy Brady, Tom Brady, he's the guy, okay? Seven. Super Bowls, seven. I understand people want to throw Montana out there. Some people want to, you know, go ahead and throw um, 
you know, Johnny, you, you, uh, Johnny Unitas out there. But listen, man, seven Super Bowls. Come on. I mean, you got to give it to the guy. To me, honestly, he is the best of all time. Whether he wins this game or not, I think Tom Brady's the best quarterback of all time. If if you get to this level seven times, that's pretty impressive. I mean, this just in itself, it's impressive. Especially with it is. minimal weapons. He's never had a consistent weapon like a Peyton Manning has had and other quarterbacks have had in the past. He's always had a makeshift type of receiving core. And to get to this level... It's the evil empire, dude. That's all I can say. It it is the evil empire. It is what yeah, it is. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's the thing, man. Like I'm, I'm okay. I'm 40 years old. All right, I'm 40, and I've seen a lot of Super Bowls throughout the years. And the ones that I didn't see live, I went back and watched them. And you know, you still know what the results are. And so, my team has been to the Super Bowl five times. Okay. Uh, the Steelers won six Super Bowls, and um, and they played in seven. So the thing is with Tom Brady, this guy in one career has gone to seven Super Bowls. We're talking about the history of some franchises that, you know, that has, has, hasn't gone to seven Super Bowls. But you're talking about one guy during one era that's gone to seven Super Bowls. You've got to give this guy credit, man. Some people have never seen this in a lifetime, oh, yeah. and now you have, you know? You're forcing Goodell to be in Houston now, right? Because he wasn't in New I England this weekend. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. You don't understand how much I was laughing and smiling when I heard that. <laughs> so I was too. I was I couldn't help I it. I was like, this is just a slap in the face. <laughs> oh, my God. It's poetic. It's poetic. Because you know what? It He's is. He's going to have to show, his, to show his groveling face. He's gonna have to show his if he wins it all. If he wins it all on the podium in a historic finish, <laughs> it's called the biggest middle finger you can find in <laughs> planet Earth. Because that's Listen, really what it's called. I'm, <laughs> I'm rooting for for you know New England because of Tom Brady. He's a Michigan guy. You know everyone knows that's my favorite team. But I'm also have an alternative reason because I just want to see Goodell have to present the trophy. To Tom Brady and the Patriots, I just I have to see it. I have to. It's just oh, it's just this crazy. is like drama. At, so this cool. is like drama at its best. Is this like The Bachelor? You know, where it's like yeah. anticipation. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, um, let's go into the huddle, sponsored by Zazzle dot com. You can get all your leggings, gifts, and t shirts. Really appreciate everybody for the big sale. Sales in January. Uh, every sale that we, every shirt, leggings, and gifts that we sell at Zazzle.com, a portion of that uh, money gets redistributed back to an, a talented player in the inter- international game as well as domestic. So uh, thanks for supporting our platform and our store. You go to Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties, and uh, we appreciate Zazzle for being a partner with us as well. And so let's go into the No Joke Football Huddle, sponsored by Zazzle.com. And we today was I was able to uh, you know get hold of a Luis Bean, the quarterback for the Utah Falcons, and she was um, was able to get a hold of our guest today, which is uh, the championship coach Rick Rasmussen of the IWFL champion uh, Utah Falcons. Coach Rasmussen, how are you doing today? 
Hey, good. How's it going out there, guys? We're doing good. We're talking Super Bowl, Pretty Coach well. Rasmussen. Let's just let's get you right in the mix right now. You're on with Troy Wilson and myself. Um, did you anticipate Atlanta to play that well against Rodgers? I didn't. I I, uh, I thought it would be Brady against Rodgers. Uh, but, you know, he's had uh, – Ryan's had a good season all year. And uh, it should be a heck of a high-scoring game. What did you think of the uh... – what did you think of the game between uh, Pittsburgh and New England? I mean, was it just as a coach, when Le'Veon Bell went down, was that something that, you know, they just started to just gel, and then all of a sudden Pittsburgh just fell back? Yeah, I mean, momentum and those kind of sudden changes hurt any team at any level, and, uh, you know, you can't afford to lose a big-time player and and still compete at the same level, especially against a team as talented as New England, and, and, and Brady's just, you know, he's awesome. I mean, I heard you guys talk about the quarterbacks. Montana certainly uh, very, very good. Uh, you might have overlooked Elway. He's pretty good, too. But as far as the best pure passing quarterback in my lifetime, you know, uh, it, it's, um, it, it's, it's tough to not acknowledge what Montana was able to do. But, Brady, I think you will go down in history along with Manning as uh, two of the greatest to ever play in the same era. Yeah, it's Troy. That was Troy's uh, analogy there too. Um, Rogers, was it just because, Coach, you get to this level, you're all banged up? I know that some of the players had the flu. I know no no coach wants to make excuses for anything like that, but it just seemed like uh, Dan Quinn and Kyle Shanahan really just dissected the Packers from what they showed against Dallas. It was just, it, this was just a totally different ball game. Yeah. They just looked like they were uh, very well prepared and uh, green Bay really suffered with uh, what they have 14 on the IR, something like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, those are tough things to overcome and especially at that level where, uh, you know, like sports illustrated talked about uh, Brady last week, you know, being able to put the ball in that three-by-three three square, well, when the guys all change, that square changes too. So I think that, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was you know, just very good football. And I think the Super Bowl should be a, a real shootout. Uh, since we got you on the line, are you taking a favorite here? Are we going – which one – are you are you going against TV12 or are we taking uh, Matty Ice? Uh, you know, I, I, if I had to bet the game, uh, uh, you know, I'd have to put my money Let's with go Brady. Betting. I like betting. Well, been there, done that. So I think Brady is probably the one that I'd end up having to put my money on it. And Vegas has got them by three points. And those fellows out in Vegas, they're pretty sharp at what they do. So I probably have to go with New England. Yeah, I'm with you on T. I'm, I'm with you on that too. Uh, as much as I hate. Uh, the Patriots, because they beat my Rams in Super Bowl 36. Uh, I have to respect the quarterback, unfortunately. I do have to, just like I respected Montana and Young and everybody else that whipped their butts in the 90s. Uh, absolutely. Um, and, and it's our Rams, because I'm a Ram fan. Yeah. So, welcome to the club. Yeah, look at that. Welcome to the club. I was just, <laughs> and it ain't easy to be when they a got rid of fan. when I when they get rid of Fisher. I didn't even realize you were on the block. I would have made that phone call right away to, just to get you inside maybe Los Angeles. <laughs> oh, 
Hey, uh, Coach, let's welcome in Kishi Free here, who's been hiding since her Cowboys have gotten beat by Aaron Rodgers. But you know what? Aaron Rodgers is out now, so you should be happy. Okay, first of all, I don't hide. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much. Sorry, I was having some tef- I was having some technical difficulties getting on tonight. Um, no, never hiding. Very proud of the Cowboys. Very proud of my team. And in fact, so proud of the fact that already the ticket sales have dropped for the Super Bowl. Now that everybody knows that we're not going to be in it, so I have no shame in my game. And when your Rams get back to this level, then we'll have a conversation. <laughs> wow! I just felt that slap <laughs> on the right and the left. That was mean. I know. Yeah, you can't argue with her. She usually comes with she usually comes with deadly venom because yeah, it's America's team. Those, those darn – now, you know what it is. In all honesty, I, I really am proud of my team. Um, it was an amazing game. I actually had the opportunity to watch the game from the Cowboys' um, home bar in D.C., so um, that was really, really awesome. And it was just a great atmosphere. And to be able for a rookie to take Aaron Rodgers down to three seconds there's nothing bad that I can say about this season other than we should be in Houston. I'm very proud of the Falcons. Congratulations to them. They played an amazing game. I wish our defense had created the type of turnovers on that their defense created because that's the problem with the Cowboys defenses. You know, we can stop the run. We can even do a little stopping with the pass. We don't have a great pass rusher, but we are not able to create turnovers or create um, opportunities to score on those turnovers, and that's where we're just going to have to get stronger. But, again, congratulations to the Falcons. I'm very, very happy for Atlanta. This is only their second time being back in the big dance. So um, it'll be interesting to see, and I think a lot of people are probably going to be rooting for the Falcons just because, you know, they're anti the evil empire. But, you know, you guys are doing good there in L.A. I mean, congratulations on getting Sean McVay. Tori's going to be sick about that, but congratulations, Sean McVay. You guys actually have a very talented uh, head coach, so I'm expecting great things out of the Rams next year. It's going to be great. We're going to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, what, what liquid am I drinking right now? But anyways. <laughs> um, You're drinking some of that leftover Redskins juice that Sean McVay brought with you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bad chocolate and cocoa right now. It's not good stuff. It's cold already. Uh, no, but, you know, it was a great uh, conference championships. I mean, you can't say it. As soon as Le'Veon Bell went down, as we talked about earlier, it pretty, pretty went down that way. So, um, Coach, let's focus on you. Um, this this offseason in women's football, I know you've been around for, what, six years from what I'm yep. told. And yep. so this, this season in women's football, whether it be the IWFL or the WFA, uh, the structure of the WFA with the tier system has seems to bring in more clubs to the league. I really think it's more of a financial need that they came in because of the locale of their region or because of travel costs being obviously reduced. Um, so there's a lot of factors that are positive why a team would shift obviously one league to the other and it happens every season. So our big question on this show and the reason we brought you up here is because uh, the impressive uh, program that you have in Utah and the fact that you're not in the WFA based on some 50-mile rule or whatever you want to call it is just not – doesn't do the sport justice. 
So, you know, all our all, all of us would like to see, you know, the elite take on the Falcons. We'd like to see the Surge take on the Falcons, the Force take on the Falcons, the Divas, the, you know, Titans, all the, the top-tier teams, uh, can, you know, can, in can women's we, football. Can, can we get uh, just a couple of weeks where we can catch our breath before you – Putting us up against all those monster teams. I mean, you got. Well, you no, got my, but no, no, no. You deserve to be there. That's what I'm saying. You, you deserve to be there because it's really that's what the fans want. I mean, when you see your team, the impressive record that you had, three losses in five years. That's impressive. So no matter what, it's still football, and you're still playing in a league. So that's what I'm saying. As, as a fan, uh, everybody's excited, and when you see the Sharks and the the Vixen which are the top two, you know, playoff teams of last year, they go to the, uh, obviously, the WFL, you know, financial reasons being the reason, of course. Um, it only makes sense for you guys to be included, but you guys have, what, the Wildcats and the Blitz locally? There's, they're on different tiers than you guys are. So, I, from a fan perspective, we're just like, what is, what, why not? Yeah, I mean, I don't have the answer to that. I mean, clearly, I, I'm just, a, you know, I'm just a guy who tries to, figure out how to be competitive week in and week out. Those are political decisions made by others. The Wildcats, they're a first-year team, and uh, they're they're up north. But they came in with the blessing of the Blitz, and uh, the Blitz don't want us to come in. Uh, the last time we were scheduled to play them, they took a team vote the week we were going to play them and opted not to play us. Um, and uh, so – I mean, you know, this this game of ours is is different than any other game I'm used to, um, and so it's uh, you know it's something to speculate about. Uh, we certainly don't put ourselves in the you know same uh, rarefied air that the divas and elite and Boston and Chicago, but we would line up and play them. I know that. I mean, if I could coax. 13 or 14 girls to get off the bus and suit up, we, we'd give it a go. Yeah, and it's just it's exciting for Utah fans, I think, in that, in that aspect, because you have three teams now in the state, uh, your team obviously being the most dominant in terms of record and in, in terms of accomplishments. So, you know, the schedule goes out in about a, a month from now, and so when you're when you put yourself in a in a position where pull out the IWFL schedule, we're circling you in the final. Can you tell that? I mean, can you say that that's what we as fans are like, the Falcons are in the final because it looks like there's really nobody, uh, based on your uh, success in in your program, there's really nobody that's going to be able to contest you guys. Well, I don't know that I'd go that far. I mean, you guys are experts in this, and, you know, we – we would love to have Tom Brady or, or Elway or, or, you know, sweetness on our team, and, and we could maybe guarantee a, a, a repeat appearance in the championship game. But repeating at anything, you know, that's a, that's a hard road to hoe. And, uh, but I, th- I like our chances where, uh, you know, we, we suffered some turnover like you do every year. We, I mean, we lost uh, 12 or so players and uh, a number of uh, – three or four of them were starters that, you know, I like to call it graduation, just like, you know, happens in high school. And we were lucky enough to pick up 15 new girls, though, also. So, you know, we've had, I think, as many as 80 attend a a function for us for this upcoming year. And we'll probably end up somewhere around 50, 55 on the 
final roster. Um, so I think you know we'll be competitive, uh, and we'll show up to play. I know that. Well, Coach, let Coach, me just uh, what's really your quickly. background? Um, Can you give us a little bit of your background? Well, I'm a Southern California boy. I went to college in Colorado and uh, served in the military. And when I got done doing that, I uh, transferred to a different uh, government agency and retired from them and still working now. And uh, I coached uh, 13, I think, years in high school and, and then stopped coaching and was minding my own business in a gym when um, Louis Spine, our quarterback, started to harass me because she had been a teacher at one of the high schools I'd coached at, <laughs> and uh, she just wouldn't let it go. So I just said, okay, I'll come to a practice. I showed up at a practice, which was a mistake because I knew I'd fall in love with it again, and, you know, that was six seasons ago. And so here we are, you know, uh, with a, a decent team running a real good program. We have uh, – great ownership and um, I think one of the bigger advantages we have is that I have uh, outstanding uh, position coaches and assistant coaches that really make it uh, make it fun for our players and make us competitive on the field and, and you know we do things a little different than most teams do um, you know we run a platoon system um, so that uh, I don't know. I think we had 20-plus players score last year um, and the same in the previous two years. So roughly 50% of our roster scores in the course of the season. And um, although we have some what I would call elite athletes, um, I I think that those players um, have as much fun watching – um, the second unit and the third unit come in and be just as successful. Uh, I know that I think Keisha Cox is probably as good a running back that there is in the nation. And um, she averages just over six carries per game in the regular season with, I think, 21 yards per carry. Our quarterback, I think, had a 140 quarterback rating at the end of the regular season I think she threw 17 touchdowns in the regular season with no interceptions and then threw two more touchdowns in the playoffs and finally gave a pick um we've got great line um we're not very big you know I look at those other teams um Dallas in particular uh, old San Diego surge was big uh divas are big Chicago's big I haven't seen as much of Boston, but, I mean, we're giving away 40, 50 pounds, but we gave that away against Minnesota in the championship also. They were much larger than we were. So, you know, we're we're lucky because I think what we do very well is we get all 50 of our players pulling on the same end of the rope, and that gives you an advantage because you can switch out your starters um, and get the next player up and be nearly as effective. Hey, hey, coach. Are you um, on the Belichick program? Part, pardon me. Hey, coach, is part is part of your um, coaching background? Is that in the um, the triple option? That's the, that's the offense you guys run. Is that correct? It is. We run a triple option. We block it uh, depending on what the defense is going to give us. Sometimes a little differently. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, 
uh, I'm an Air Force Academy grad. My son, who's our offensive coordinator, is also Academy grad. So yeah, we're we're triple option type of people. That that runs deep in our blood, and I think it's uh, a real solid offense when you're not physically imposing like some of the other teams. Uh, we're looking for angles and technique, and hoping that our opponents are just trying to push us on our butts. Um, and that's the way we enter every game. Well, now, Chris, uh, I you, guys are, because, you guys are from oh. the – sorry about that. No, go ahead. no go ahead, Troy. So you guys are from the school of Fisher DeBerry, just, you know, somebody that I love to watch, you know, running offense and uh, back in the day at the Air Force Academy. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we constantly preach three yards per play. That's what we're shooting for every time we line up. We've been a little bit more successful than that, but uh, we're willing to uh, do whatever it takes to put our players in the position to where they can be competitive and win football games. And and I well, think that's the important part is 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 like great great coaching is one of uh, two ways. So either they have to come in and you, how you adapt your whole team to that style, and it all works in uniform like that. I just think that that's just such a beautiful thing. So that 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 you know that speaks well to your coaching and getting everyone involved and making sure everyone is on the cadence because that is probably the toughest part is getting the timing down for all of it. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I'm surrounded with you know nine other great coaches that work with their individual positions. They spend a lot of time making sure they know what the technique is, what they're going to do when the defense does this, that, or the other thing, so that we can be effective being physically smaller than our opponents now we're not smaller in team size we have probably one of the larger rosters in the nation in any league and we use that to our advantage but the key is to make sure that our players know what we're trying to do why we're trying to do it and then they perform it so yeah in that way Fisher DeBerry like we would say in Long Beach he's the man well, and that and that's what I was going to build off of what Troy just asked in terms of something critical you said was that you guys are not um, small in size. And I'm wondering, you know, not having been to Utah, you know, where are you all pulling this talent? Because some of the other questions in talking with a lot of the ladies over the past couple of years, most of them, unlike uh, most uh, male professional football players, there was no peewee league for women. There was no – you know, middle school, high school, college opportunities. So where are you pulling this talent from, and what is it that you think makes your ladies so successful as um, female football players in terms of their athleticism? Because a lot of the ladies we've talked to have come and switched over from a few lacrosse players, uh, a large number of soccer players, and or women who just had fathers and brothers who played the game, and they just loved the sport. You know, so what are you doing to convert these new converts to this uh, to the game, for lack of a better term? Because you're really starting out with with older people who didn't play at a younger age. Here's the thing: I think we do, and I'll and this will be a little bit bold, so it should get some of the chins to flop. And I, I think we do something better than any other team. I think we are as close to getting 100% of our talent pool that's available playing. Whereas, I mean, Salt Lake City, the capital of Utah, the city itself only has 200,000 people in it. And the metro area, so you include everything between the two points of the mountain, you're looking at 800,000 
tops. I mean, that's not even a good-sized suburb for Boston or Los Angeles, where I grew up. Um, So what we've done is we've attracted athletes who still have that competitive fire in them. I have a number of softball players, basketball players. I have one that joined us last year, scored a 60-yard touchdown. She was a professional soccer player. These are women that just want to compete, and what our team does real well is gives them that atmosphere where they can return to being a part of something bigger than just themselves. Coming from the military, many of my coaches come from the military, we kind of foster that team-first attitude that maybe some of the other teams um, aren't emphasizing as much. Um, I'm not taking anything away from the elite teams in the other league. Those guys are great. I mean, that's a, those are some big, talented, athletic women. Um, we have to do a little bit more with a little bit less to be able to perform at the same levels that those other great teams can, can play with. So that, I think that's what we really focus on. And it's, look, these women are paying to play this sport. Um, this is leadership without a mandate. Uh, in other words, most leadership models, the guy in charge has some authoritative way to enforce their will. But you don't have that in this sport. The, the players are paying to play. They don't have to run to the fence or do five push-ups when they screw up. They opt to. So that leadership that our owner and our coaching staff instills is somewhat different than perhaps the, sorry, Oscar, the traditional Army or Marine style take that hill and point. So we, you have to motivate, encourage, and then you have to provide to every player on your team. So we make sure that on our team, and I've had this discussion many times in different forums, in my mind, my 50th player is still more important than the number one player on the number one team anywhere. And, we, and our women believe that. They believe their coaches and their owner believe that, and that's why they come out. That's why year in and year out we're still having 60, 70 girls at our tryouts. We're offering something that's a little bit different than what other you know, people are offering for these women who still have that competitive juice in their veins. Wow. It's called boot camp. I think that that's what's so important, you know, in terms of recognizing these, like you said, you, and I love, I love that you call them athletes because, you know, some oftentimes even, you know, to our own, without thinking about it, we focus sometimes in referencing them more to their gender as opposed to their skills, you know, and I love that you have consistently called them athletes because, at the end of the day, that's what they are. And I just think, and I was, like I said, I was just curious as to what are you doing different to transfer those skills from other sports that allow them to be competitive in this new sport because football is not basketball. I played basketball. I played soccer. And I'm telling you, having seen the Divas and Dallas both compete and play, there is no way, oh, I'm not saying no way, but it would take a lot for me to put on pads and do what these ladies do, you know, even with 
having been a former athlete. And so it's just amazing to watch you, you know, help them develop and create those new skills and and untapped resources. One of the things we do as a staff is we treat our football team like a football team, just exactly like, you know, I've treated the boys that I've coached in high school, the expectations, the desire, the drive, um, that that's expected. The thing that I've been amazed at is the sponge effect of the of the uh, players I have. Um, if if you're willing to teach it, they are more than willing to learn it. It's just can you communicate it in a way to a person who hasn't been doing this since age eight? And if you can, and if it's fun for them, and if they're successful at it. And if they feel like they're part of something greater than themselves, they'll play the game, and they'll play it with great vigor. Um, you know, like I said, we go with a black, blue, and silver, three squads in offense, three squads in defense. And I watched the silver players playing with the same grit that the black players play with or the blue players play with. If this is their time to shine in front of their friends and families, and if you provide it for them, they'll give you everything they have in their tank. You just have to make sure that you put them in the right position to where they can be successful. Because oftentimes as coaches, we fail to recognize that this player doesn't fit the mold of what we thought we should have instead of saying, where can this player contribute to this team? And that's what we do real well. We try to make sure that we can do that. Uh, if if I was blessed with 50 elite athletes yeah we'd be we'd be every bit as tough as any team anywhere but what we have to do is we have to we face the same problem that the three service academies all three of which went to bowl games this year and uh although i hate to even refer to those other two schools um but the bottom line is (laughs) we make sure that our girls get a chance to be a part of something that makes them feel good. It empowers them. They feel good about themselves. But all of the other crap is left at the at their car when they get on the football field. That's awesome. That's discipline in itself because that's really what it comes down to is them being, like you said, disciplining themselves, just like no different than in the male sport of, you know, when you say a male athlete, they, they're – I think their intellect is a lot higher than a male athlete in a lot of ways. And so you, you've got to give credit to some of the players on, on some of these teams, because like you said, they grasp that like a sponge, they take it and run with it. And then they, they're very impressive in what they do in terms of skill sets. Um, that shows, it shows a lot in terms of your highlights coach. When you see the highlights, uh, not necessarily just the blowouts or the, the fast speed, but you do have, um, the athletes on your team, as you were saying before, that are, are contributors almost in every facet of the game in terms of your layout and your your scheme. So that's that's a credit to you guys too, because you are able to relate as you're talking to them, and then they go they they take that and go to another level. Yeah, we're very lucky that way. I mean, I have dandy players at every position who will give everything to their team if you take the time to prepare them. They'll do their parts. I, I look at, I look at the young ladies that are, and I can say young ladies due to my. Uh, I was laughing about 
Troy saying he was 40 and he's seen a lot of Super Bowls. Um, you know, I can remember Johnny Unitas or uh, Joe Namath sitting on that lounge chair <laughs> promising victory. I, I mean, I, I saw that, you know. Uh, wow. But, I know, that's sad, isn't it? But the the, the nice thing about our team <laughs> is, like, uh, you know, I have a linebacker, uh, Lindy, who is just the salt of the earth, who will do whatever you ask her to do, so make sure you ask her to do the right thing. Or, you know, I have a, a um, shorter cornerback who, when she puts her helmet on, it's just a different person. When you tell Jordan, look, when they do this motion, I want you to go blow up that wide out and make sure that that running back has to turn back in for help, you better make sure you describe it right because she is going to run over that wide receiver because you told her to. And uh, it's those kind of little things that – make a small market um, not physically gifted as it relates to size uh, team be so successful. And I'll freely admit, we might be a little bit quick. Uh, You know, our team might have a little bit of team speed. But we use that to our advantage so that everything we do in the part of the game is to take advantage of of the abilities that we have. It's no secret we don't huddle. Um, because we are flat going to try to run you out of gas in the first quarter. And that's that's a part yeah. of our strategy. And That's one what of I'm things- saying. It's like the, the no huddle. The no yeah. huddle aspect of it is similar to what the, uh, the Patriots pulled this weekend when they were going up against the Steelers for the first couple of five minutes or so of the game. It became such a kind of a, a surprise. And I think that's where you guys excel in that aspect because when you watch film – a lot of the teams, like you said, they are not uh, in tune to do what you do, which is basically a no huddle, and they a hurry up offense to them is just, oh my God, we got to get set. Who's going to get set? Confusion starts to set in, and then all of a sudden mistakes are made, and there there's the advantage for you guys. Well, and and part of the no huddle, in addition to being in good physical condition, because we, unlike other neighboring teams, our girls condition every practice. And as we got halfway through the season, we add five more minutes of conditioning. The other thing that we're doing with the no huddle is we're eliminating the other coaching staff. We don't want the defensive coaches standing on the sidelines to be able to have any impact in the game. So we are going to go so quick and we are going to go so precisely and we will have presented virtually everything that the the opposing defense will give you our players will have seen, so the other coaches, you either use a timeout and start fixing it, or else you're going to find yourself behind 7 nothing. And the same is true in our defense. Our defense has given up, I don't know what the actual numbers are, but not a lot of points. I think last year we gave up less than four points per game, which, which isn't easy to do when you're playing three platoons. Um, so it's that kind of attention to detail and the ability to use the few advantages we have, which we maximize. I mean, our large numbers and our relative quickness, that's what we're going to capitalize on. We are not ever going to get into a belly-busting fight with anybody because we're going to lose that. Um, So we're going to do something different. We're going to make you come prepared to play precise football, and if you're patient and and your assignment sound, yeah, it's going to be a battle. 
but if you come in out of shape and you're not assignment sound, you know, we, we might be able to break off one here or there. Coach, uh, about Pittsburgh versus Pittsburgh, pretty tough game as well. Uh, they played a pretty good game, a veteran squad, given you had Lisa Horton, uh, obviously as quarterback, and you had a lot of the veterans in Pittsburgh that have been around a long time, a veteran team. So that was a big test for you guys, right? Yeah, if it was a test, we failed. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Pittsburgh. They whooped us. They just flat out whooped us. They'd been on that stage before. My ladies hadn't been on that stage before. I didn't have our team as ready as perhaps they should have been. Um, and they did some things very well that uh, we just couldn't do. I looked the uh, Lisa had a great game, um, and I, I don't think she had very many incompletes. Their running back on that delay zone run um, had a big game, and we just didn't play. We just didn't play very well, and uh, I, I feel bad for that because I take that as a personal failure, um, and I think that the loss was a was a learning situation for all of us that we corrected uh, in the off season. And, um, you know, I look at that team that played against Pittsburgh and there's probably 20 of those players that are no longer with us due to graduation. And um, I look at the team last year we had, and that team last year was markedly better than the team we had that lost to Pittsburgh, who got beat by Pittsburgh. Um, and I think the team we're going to have this year is going to be markedly better than the team we had last year. Um, but, you know, we all learn from things, and, uh, you know, we took a completely different approach in the Minnesota championship game than we did against Pittsburgh. Uh, our girls were singing and having fun uh, in the locker room before the game. The two locker rooms shared a common wall, and um, Minnesota's locker room was dead quiet like ours was before we played Pittsburgh that first year. So we we learned a lot um, as it relates to getting our players prepared to be on the big stage. Um, our coaching staff learned a lot. And, and when your coaching staff can walk with a little spring in their step, um, that translates down to the players. They feed off that. You know, we do a lot of silly little things that other teams don't do. We bring our own music to warm up to every game. Um, so that this game feels the same as if we were playing in Cottonwood Heights, Utah, or playing in North Carolina. Um, we try to do the same thing every game at the same time intervals so that the players know, oh, I've been here before. I've, you know, because I choose the music, so I'm educating my, my young ladies about the, the disco age and um, classic rock, those kind of little things that everybody laughs about. We, we had a team that wanted to change the music before the game. I mean, they went to our owner and said, hey, we, we want to put on a song. Right there I said to myself, seriously, dude, if that's what you're going to worry about, you might be in trouble today, you know. Um, <laughs> right. So we do all sorts of little things like that so that our players walk on the field believing that they're going to win that game. And, um, you know, and I have great leadership on the team. Uh my center, Quinn Wesley, and my right tackle, Tina Mangum, they just set the tone for the whole team. 
everybody talks about Keisha, and they overlook Tina Tella, and they overlook V. You, you can't focus on one of our players because, as you guys have already alluded to, we're a triple option team. We will give the ball to the fullback 18 times in a row if you're not going to stop the fullback. Okay. <laughs> you know, sorry. You're on the, you're on the Troy Whatever Wilson works. ram it down their throats mentality. <laughs> look, it, it, look, it only look, makes sense. We threw 17 touchdowns in eight games. So, I mean, it's not like we're afraid to throw the football. It's just that we throw the football whenever your your DBs get sick of watching our running backs and you start getting lazy, our wide receivers start communicating, and we're going to throw the ball on you. And, uh, you know, if if we could run quarterback sneak every play and be successful, we would do that too. Um, And the same goes for our defense. Our D coordinator, just outstanding looking for the same type of thing. We change defensive fronts every game based upon what the opponent's showing on film. You know, we are doing everything we can to put our players in a position to be successful. And that's what we're going to continue to do as long as, you know, our coaching staff remains together. Coach, um, very impressive resume for you, more so for the team and the ownership. Um, it's like, like we talked about, I mean, you can't control what you can't control, but it would be probably the most shocking news in this campaign and this season to come if and when Utah announces they go to the WFA. You will be, you know, it's it just the way it is. I mean, when New York and Minnesota announced they were going to go to the WFA, it just sent shockwaves all over, you know, uh, the sport. Because I think the WFA has – become more of a standout league in that aspect. The three-tier system for me is a, it's a really nice way to uh, incorporate the lesser roster teams, mid-side roster, and then the full roster teams, but still incorporating them with some sort of strategic gameplay versus those teams. So on the schedule-wise, in other words, by region. So it still makes sense that aspect of it. And you still have each tier – uh, be able to shoot for a championship. Like, you know, you, last year you had St. Louis win the championship. You had the uh, Zydeco win the Division Three championship. Um, so do you think that route, in your eyes, should be going forward to maybe bring this uh, the sport into a more uh, awareness state, like a college football mentality where everybody's able to shoot for something? Like a, a lot of teams in college football have to shoot for a certain bowl because they can't get to the national championship or win the big you know, big championship. Yeah. I, I look, you're talking to an Air Force Academy. Uh, I mean, we're never going to play in the, you know, final four games. I mean, that's just not, that's not realistic. Uh, and I certainly understand uh, the WFA's approach to it. It's, it's smart. It's a, it's a smart way to go. But that's outside my control because as the rules currently are being enforced, and we're not the only one adversely affected by this rule, so we're not the only one – to the best of my knowledge, nobody from my staff or our owner has has publicly said anything about the 50-mile rule. But the bottom line for us, if the 50-mile rule from a Tier 3 team that has 14 players and I think has won six games in eight years can control 50 players who haven't lost but one game in the three years of their existence, that pushes us south of Provo. We won't be able to practice outdoors 
I got 18 inches of snow the other day at my house. We won't be outdoors until maybe a week before our first game. So if it's 50 miles south, that puts us south of Provo, I'm not going to have a team. I'm not going to have a coaching staff. Our women won't get the opportunity to play football. And what we're trying to do here, above and beyond being good every Saturday, is to offer an opportunity for these players, these athletes, to continue to compete. And if it's 50 miles south of here, there's nothing but farmland down there. It's Springville, Utah. How many of you guys visited Springville recently? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Not that I'm aware of. Yeah. No, <laughs> not I. The closest I ever came was Denver, Colorado. That, well, that very was, good. That Denver, was there you go. That's me right there, Denver, Denver Colorado. Colorado. Denver, Colorado, sadly, is 60 miles north of of the true center of the universe, in my opinion. But that that's just wow. me. Colorado Springs is is the place to be. But so we're we're so stuck. Co- so coach. So coach, the reality here is uh, Lisa King needs to make a, a decision for the betterment of your squad and the betterment of the sport, because that's really what it boils down to. Take away that, that ch- shackled barrier. And really, you know, I don't want to sit here and say, you know, one team is not better than the other, but you have certainly proven that you are above. And in my eyes, as I've said it before, you guys are, you know, if you were in the WFA for whatever reason, it would be tier one, you'd be division one. And everybody else after that would be different. So merged, I mean, my suggestion is merge the team, merge the teams, and uh, you know the lower class teams make them division two if you need to do that because of the roster requirements, and then put the Falcons in the WFA. And that's really what we've been stressing for a long time. And I can tell you right now, uh, until I get her in an interview to kind of question that, you know, because she's she's the only one that obviously can answer that for us. Um, until I can get her into an interview, um, at that point it's going to be uh, the same debate that we're having here, but. We're more than happy as fans to uh, see the Falcons technically, like I said, be in the WFA because it just makes for an excitement brand of football. You know, it's a, the Falcons against Elite, Falcons against uh, Surge, Falcons against Majestics. I mean, you name it. It's just it's one of those things where I think the fans now should dictate what uh, should happen in the WFA, and the WFA is getting big enough to where they have to sometimes have to cater and bend a little bit. So hopefully that's the case. Uh, really appreciate me, you coming on, Coach, quick. all your insights. I know you guys are running out of time. We did play the Majestics our first year as an independent, and uh, and, uh, and and we were able to prevail. They're a, they're a very good team. Um, I don't think that I'm going to put us as the top one, two, three, maybe even not fourth team in the nation, but I'm definitely going to put us in the top five or six. Um and we would get off the bus and we would play. Um, but those are political decisions. Yeah. And I can tell you from my limited, because I'm, I'm, as you probably picked up, I'm not very politically astute. I just sort of right, right. Speak, speak what I think. Um, we've been treated great by the IWFL. Kaz and Lori and Dana have done a real nice job. Um, but in, in the end, this sport is driven by two things travel distances, and money. And I can certainly understand why New York and Montreal both had to bail. Um, But I would argue that last season, New York maybe wasn't as strong as they had been in the past. They did lose to Minnesota. Uh, I think Austin is a very strong team. 
Uh, Austin is also impacted by the 50-mile rule. I think Carson is a very strong team, and Carson's impacted by the 50-mile rule. So we're not the only ones that are in this boat. And I'm going to coach my women to be great athletes on the field and great people in our community. And, you know, everybody has their own impression of Utah. Um, My team is as diverse as any team out there. And everyone on our team gets along. They, we are the embodiment of 50 players who love each other, irrespective of what their political views may be or anything else, and we're about as diverse as you, as you can get. Um, so right. in that respect, political decisions, those we leave to the leadership. But if we want this sport to survive, if we want this sport, which has been languishing for 20 years, I mean, there's a professional lacrosse league already, and they've only been around for five or six years. We've got to change the way we're doing it. And if you can't attract and allow the, the best of the sport to prevail, the sport's doomed to mediocrity at the best. And and that's kind of the way I look at it, but I do agree with you. Um, Right now we're one of a number of teams where it's we're prohibited from going to WFA, and and I freely admit we've enjoyed every second of our IWFL experience. They've treated us well. Teams show up and play. They don't get to vote and choose not to play. Um, and so in that respect, we appreciate the opportunity that we're given. But do we want more? Absolutely, absolutely, and. Dallas may beat us 100 to nothing, and the Divas may beat us 101 to nothing. But I know this. They better be willing to play in the fourth quarter because we're going to be willing to play in the fourth quarter. That's just the way our team is. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying it's really from a fan's perspective, I think that's what we want too, and I think that's the message that whoever's listening right now, be the WFA ownership at this point, they need to understand what's the betterment of the sport, not necessarily the rule. You can change the rule. You can alter the rule. You can do whatever you need to do. But um, if you're creating a tier t- three-tier system for the betterment of the sport, which is at different levels, you know, you, you need to do that. I mean, I, I know the IWFL uh, is going to be a somewhat in a struggle this season because of certain logistics with certain teams and gaps and all that. Not that they're going to go away or anything in that aspect, but – I mean, wishful thinking would be for the fans' perspective. Is just for us to, you know, to one, at one point or another see uh, Utah allowed into the WFA. But coach, thank you very much for all you do. Uh, thanks for the amazing moments on the football field, the staff, your athletes, uh, the ownership there in Utah. Uh, from a fans' perspective, from us, you know, amazing football, and we've seen highlight after highlight after highlight, and we cannot praise you enough. Uh, an amazing job between you and your staff, plus the ownership there and the talented athletes that you obviously put on that roster. Well, thanks, guys. And uh, anytime you need anything from us or if you get uh, lost on your way to Las Vegas and find yourself in Utah, uh, look at us. We'll go, uh, we'll go have an adult beverage. Well, thank you for Very coming good. I thank welcome you for that, your sir. insight. All right, guys, thank you. Thanks for your service as well. Appreciate right, it. Thank, thank you. you for your service. Thank thanks, you. Bye-bye. Coach. So that's uh, Coach Rick uh, Rasmussen, uh, Army uh, military man as well. Um, so 
Uh, I just kind of had him get on. Thanks to Louise Bean for being uh, gracious enough to uh, contact him so that we can get him on. I really wanted to get him on because um, we didn't get the Falcons on. And so I was like, you know, we got to get them on. They're the uh, IWFL champions. And who better to get on to to speak Falcons than the championship coach? So that was awesome. Yeah, I love, I love talking to Axis. That was and an amazing game, the, too. I'm sorry, go ahead, Troy. No, I was saying I like just, you know, talking to Axis and O's with a guy who, um, you know, knows how to run a triple option. I just think that's – it's so fascinating to me to watch those guys. Like for me, and I, you know, I'm a college football fan, but I'm also a, a bit of a historian. And so, just to watch how those offenses, you know, uh, offense has evolved over the years on the football team. But then you have this uh, this style of offense that most people will sit back and say it's archaic and oh, it's boring. But yet and still, when you have a team out there that knows how to run it. And does the timing, you know, has a lot of timing with it. They tend to be really good football teams, and so I just I, I love to watch it being executed as you know it was the, as the the sport was actually invented. I just think it's fantastic to watch. Well, sometimes you know fundamentals are the best, and one of the things I think we've always said is that when it comes to sports, is that women tend to play fundamental sports, whereas the guys tend to play. Um, some of the edgier, splashier side of the game. You know, women, as a general rule, we're just not tall enough or, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, have the um, capabilities, you know, for the dunking and the this and the that. Women will play better, more effective basketball at its fundamental levels, and you'll see, you know, everybody touch the ball one time, and you'll see more zone defenses, you know, and you'll see a little more of the traditional, you know, two, um, two, three, you know, options, you know, and when you're on the court and, you know, you'll see more pick and rolls and just, you know, again, good fundamentals. And I think that what you said, Troy, is really valid is that, you know, I can't remember who it was that they were saying that some coach, I can't remember, may have even been um, a Redskins coach, had like a playbook with like 500 plays. And I'm like, really? Who is going to remember all of that? Sometimes it's better to run a more effective five or six plays and do it well than as opposed to trying to remember all this trickery and chicanery. That's when you tend to have mistakes in the field. Wait, was that the the triple around the back, fourth dip and dunk, or was that the ABC back and forth, then slide to the left to the right? Just play football. And Utah plays football. Kishi, they have oh, lost yeah, they did. in five years. They have only lost three games in five years. So exactly, well, we got they, to, and we got to see those. High, and remember, we saw the highlights from that uh, championship game. Yep. My God, that was amazing. I don't, I, I don't think honestly, and I've known Troy for a very long time. I haven't seen him get that excited about a football game. You know, even with the Cowboys and the Redskins playing each other. You know, and we've been to games together, and he was more excited watching that last-minute overtime play, you know, just because it was good quality football. Now, sometimes that's what you want to see. You just want to you want to go back to the, like Troy said, just go back to the basics and the X's and the O's and let us remember why we fell yeah. in love with the sport. Yeah, and, you know, the sad thing is this 50-mile this fifty mile rule, I think really the WFA needs to revisit. They've restructured their tier or divisions from one, two, and three, 
I think it's time they need to re- revisit the rule um, and be you know forthright with it because if you have three teams, as the coach was saying, in the same location and you put that rule in, you're opting and eliminating the top team in one of the top leagues that you can include in your league and makes your branding stronger. So, uh, you know, Lisa, if you're listening, uh, it's a mistake to keep the Falcons out of the WFA. So that's my two cents to it. So I don't know if you guys feel, but that's my, my analogy at this point. I definitely agree. You know, like we said, if, yeah, I, mean, if, if, I mean, and you said, I mean, they're already starting to get professional lacrosse, you know. I mean, if they're going to try to take this sport and let it legitimately come a professional organization and take it out of the, uh, you know, just something you do on the weekend for fun and recreational stage, right. The two leagues are just going to have to have what we used to say, a come to Jesus meeting. Yep. And figure out. Yeah, IWFL, this is AFL versus NFL, and I think it's time to have a meeting. It really is. Because you're not going to be able to survive if you keep dividing your fan base. It, it's too convoluted. They're yeah. just going to have to suck it up and merge if they want to thrive and survive. And you it's know hard what the to biggest thing is, keep moving as he's talking about, yeah, the biggest thing is the Sharks and the Minnesota Vixen, you know what they did as owners? They just made a business decision. They said, this is the league we got to go into because it, it's logistically sound and makes more sense. It's not about excluding the players or the athletes from the sport. It is now the responsibility of the sport to include the best athletes in the sport. So I don't know if anybody understands that aspect of it, because right now we have a broken puzzle with two, two leagues that are excluding players and from showcasing their talent to an audience. And the, it should be the other way around. The branding should now honor the player by including every talented team and athlete into under, under one umbrella, whether it be the WFA shield or brand or another brand, whatever you want to rename it. But at the same time, you're not going to go forward in, in terms of the sport until you become serious about branding, marketing, and really focusing on what brings attention to the sport. You got Carson Bobcats, you got the, the Los Angeles Warriors, you got the San Diego Surge, you got the Cal War Angels, just in California alone on the southern aspect of it, and you got Los Angeles as a hotbed for football. So you're telling me that if you, don't, if you include all those four teams, you're telling me you're not going to get an awareness audience in the biggest, what, number two market in the nation? You are. You just have to be savvy about how you market it and savvy about how you put a, a squad together and maybe even c- come t- close to putting and consolidating some teams together to make one big statement to the audience in like the number two market and say, besides the Rams and the chargers, Oh, by the way, we have the surge, the Bobcats and Oh, by the way, up North here, we got the war angels as an example. You can't do that. It's just a matter of wanting to do that. Well, and the other part of it is that what they're missing out on is the opportunity to get that market. And, you know, when Troy and I went to the divas um, Dallas game last year, you know, like I said, I'm in the parking lot and I'm walking to the field and some other guys pulled up and I'm looking around. I'm like, well, where are you going? They're like, oh, we're going to the game. I'm like, oh, do you have someone on the team that you know is playing? They're like, no. I'm like, well, why are you here? They're like, we just want to see football. We don't care who it is. And the reality is because the women play in the summer, 
you know, they they start, you know, right before what the uh, they start before the draft, and they finish before preseason. So right. that gives you a dedicated audience where you're not going to interfere with football. You give football star uh, fans something to watch. There's a quality product, so they're missing out on a great opportunity to make this a legitimate money-making venture for themselves as well as for the ladies and to put a quality product out there. And and, and, and like you well, said, you're right. LA is like, what is it, number two market? Please, there's definitely a need if they're willing to move the Chargers and now you're going to have two football teams in LA, there's definitely a market there. Oh, yeah, yeah there's definitely. I mean, San Diego alone, the surge – can take advantage of San Diego market with some good marketing and some good uh, awareness out there with community work, they'll be able to showcase themselves as San Diego's team sooner or later, because uh, the way, um, you know, the, the ownership in the, in the chargers ownership has kind of bailed on San Diego. It's, it's a prime opportunity for the women's team to really stand out in terms of high quality professional football. Um, I think really the, the aspect of the sport now is, another level, and I think that's what we need to ex- you know, expect. And I think the WFA, as we're just addressing that with Coach Rasmussen, the WFA really needs to look at the fact that if you're neglecting one of the top teams in the nation on an opposite you know, league and you're not allowing them the affordability to play in your league and to make your branding better and, and to say, hey, we got four, six, eight quality football teams on the West Coast now. And so that's really what you're saying. If you're neglecting them, then you're not really, you know, putting a statement out there about what you have. You have amazing clubs on the East Coast. Now you've got to really make a statement about the West Coast. So uh, the WFA has some thinking to do in terms of that 50-mile rule and really uh, maybe including Utah because that only shines. I mean, like I said, who's not going to want to see Falcons against Elite? <laughs> Falcons against Elite, Falcons against Cal War Angels, Falcons against Southern uh, San Diego Surge. I mean, who doesn't want to see that? I want to see that. So there's there's a, there's a, a great need for those matchups, and I think that they have to rethink their their strategy at this point. Um, well, the other thing that she, it does by blending it, ahead. yeah. No, I was gonna say the other thing that it does by blending the teams and and to some degree pairing them down, it also allows you to streamline your audience so that, like the NFL, you can focus on and highlight your best players right now. With this split between the two leagues, in all honesty, it is very difficult as a fan and as a sports analysis trying to cover two different leagues with so many teams, and a team will be here this year, so we've invested all this time, you know, covering this team, getting to know these players, looking at their stats, and then next year the team is disbanded. They're not there because they don't have enough people or the games have to be forfeited. And then you're like, okay, then the next year, oh, you're back again. But, oh, but you're in a different league with a different name. And you have to keep rewarding them. Streamline it. And then do what the NFL has done effectively. Create teams that people will care about. Create storylines that people will care about. And more importantly, create players that with, with whom fans can invest mentally and emotionally so that you can build a legitimate fan base, not people who get hyped one year and then disappointed. Then, wait, I'm confused. Oh, I guess, well, do I follow them because they're over here now, or do I stick with this player because I recognize her and I'm going to follow her to her new team? 
that's part of the problem with why we can't move forward because your fan base is so splintered and it's too chaotic trying to keep up with all these different leagues and all these different teams and you where know, the players keep moving. The next move for the WFA is to consolidate ownerships. Most yep. pro leagues do that. You know, uh, most owners are made, most ownerships are made up of, you know, four, five, six people that pull together their funding and put together one brand, one team, one approach. And I think that's really what it boils down to. Like if we just take an example of the LA market, it's about time of having a serious conversation between do we want the surge to be the team because of their history and on their record to be the team that we need to do. Maybe it's a consolidation of all three ownerships in the area and say, we are part now of the San Diego surge to make this an, a statement, bold statement to the community to say, this is women's pro football and come watch us. So it's really about that attitude now, because if you start having individual teams and covering only small amount of markets, you're not making a dent anywhere. And so you're not making any type of uh, real impact. So uh, exactly. hopefully, you know, I've, I've, invited, I've invited Lisa. It crazy. Yeah, I've invited Lisa to come onto the platform and on our show, on our podcast. And uh, she's uh, obviously been busy from what uh, she's messaged me. So hopefully uh, down the road here in the next month or two before the season kicks in, uh, we'll have Lisa King, the WFA owner, come on board and answer some of those questions for us and maybe give us some insight as to the, why the decisions are made the way they are and maybe the fans plus us uh, the, you know, get us some answers from the top league in the nation right now, which is evolving into a better brand and a higher branding. So the responsibility is there for, to have some answers from you know, the big honcho, as they say. Um, well, and see, the other the, thing, the, uh-huh. the Super Bowl, yeah. the Super Bowl is, you know, Atlanta, TB12. Uh, we start at the top of the hour with Troy. Um, who are you going with? Atlanta. You're taking Maddie Ice. Yeah. She doesn't like Tom Brady. <laughs> I can tell. Now you're trying to get. I can tell. You're trying to get. You're trying to get Erica. And the rest of the evil empire mad at me? <laughs> oh no, Erica's already mad. You just said you just said Maddie Ice. She's already probably fuming right now or ranting. Is that the word? Rant. Oh, right yeah, about ranting. now. Oh, I She's know. And my and I know. And my uh, fabulous other um, Pat uh, Pat's fan, Pete uh, Groflo, my little my Twitter bud. Was that Pete? Yeah, he's another diehard Packers fan, and so I know he's going to be hating me because he was just such a fabulous Cowboy supporter, and his hope was that. It would be the Cowboys and the um, Patriots. But the reality is, you know, kind of like Coach. I think he was drunk. I think he was drunk because there's no way you could have that matchup and be friends. It's just not happening. I know. No, it's true. But, no, and that and that's custom cute, too, so, you know. But, no, seriously, (laughs) um, I think that, you know, like Coach said tonight, he was there to watch, you know, the game with – the Jets and, you know, and the infamous guarantee, you know, and at some point you got to pass the baton. And I think that it's actually better for football if the Falcons win because it gives people a reason to want to watch next year to say, okay, it's not always the same. There's some parity. There's opportunities for other people to come up and win, you know, plus you've got to have your foil. But, but um, I was listening to the trifecta this past weekend on ESPN and um, 
you know, the the ladies show with the three female um, sports and annals, and and they were great. And that was one of the things that they were saying was that there's this thing called Maya, and I can't remember the acronym, uh, what Maya stands for, but it's M A Y A. But it was a really valid point that you need the old with the new, and at some point the new has to win out. Otherwise, people will eventually tune out because it does become boring after a while. But I honestly think that if the NFL would have had its choice, they would have preferred Packers and Patriots because, like LeBron and Kobe, that's the matchup that the NFL office wanted, you know, was to have the Packers against Brady to have um, Tom Brady, I mean, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers to see the battle of the quarterbacks because, truthfully, Matty Ice isn't on their level. But to see those two battle it out for top dog would have been amazing. But I'm happy for the kid, and I'm happy for the city of Atlanta. And and I'd like to see Julio Jones get his shot. I just hate that – Tony Gonzalez is not going to get this opportunity to be on the team and that he retired, what, two, three years ago now before the Falcons could get him to the promised land. That, I, that's the part I hate. Now I just need Austin would... to do right and let Vic retire yeah, the yeah. Falcons. That's my, that's my one political oh, okay, yeah. plug. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes that's sense. What, I mean, that's, 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 what, that's what, yeah. the right thing to do. Exactly. I mean, that's all Michael Vick wants to let him let do do for him what the Cowboys did for Emmitt Smith. Give him his one day, sign him for a day, and let him retire. And, and he, you know, I know he he, he it's, it's time. But other than that, I'm 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 definitely for the Falcons. All right. So you're taking the Falcons. I just cannot go against TV12 as much as I hate TV12. I just don't see him. And then Belichick and. I don't know. I think Troy's on the same page I am. I just it's going to take a a lot for the it, it'd have to be the Patriots faulting themselves, but they they sure. you know anything can happen. And I'm pretty sure the underdog is going to be rooted for because, like you said, in Kishi, it makes it more exciting for the storyline to say you know uh, the Falcons beat the Patriots, and it happens already, right? Against the Giants, remember they were the mm-hmm. top team coming in, and all of a sudden. You know, they were like 18 and whatever, and then all of a sudden the Giants come in with Eli Manning, and boom, there you go. Your your record's, you know, broken in the biggest game, and so you're you're a loser. So it, Absolutely. It, it's well, just, uh, I don't know if the – and I don't know if the Steelers ever really had a chance to win that game. I mean, between having, what, four of their players had the flu, and then I don't know if you guys heard this storyline or not, but the night before the game – they had to evacuate their hotel due to a false fire alarm. Yeah, that's not that's not an excuse for not showing up on the field. But all I'm gonna say is things that make alarm. me go, hmm. Well, I, let's see, hmm. you wake up at, at two, three in the morning out of your sleep to have to go. Have you ever been in a hotel that's had to be evacuated? It's not a fun yes, process. Yes, I have. It and is it is a madhouse. People bumping into walls. I know. Absolutely. You can't find the exit door. (laughs) No, yeah, that happened to us. That happened to us two years ago when um we were in Pennsylvania for my daughter's cheerleading competition, and the night before the competition, you know, we had to evacuate the hotel, and then we were standing outside, you know, for like an hour and a half, and you know, it's eleven o'clock and it's cold, and you you just want to get inside. So I can't imagine that happening in the middle of the night. Now. 
you know, of course, we, it wouldn't be the Patriots if we don't throw out some kind of conspiracy theory. We got to throw it out just a little bit. Well, of course not. You got to have a little this fun. Is a Bill Belichick. It was Bill Belichick's call to set up the fire. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you got to throw some fun. The play gate, and what was the, what was the other one? Oh, I think, video I think Erica's going to kill us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Erica's going to kill us just for discussing it right now. That's I know, right? right. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but... I apologize, honestly, Erica. It wasn't me that started it. It was actually in Kishi that started it. I will take full blame and responsibility for this one. But, yeah, I I don't think that the Steelers had a had a chance, Um, you know, between... um. Oh, God, who was it that got well, when Bell went Well, when Bell went down, yeah, it was kind of over. Because they, it went definitely Yeah, over. and Williams is a, is a good – good. it's a good back, but he's not, a, you know, Le'Veon Bell. That's a really big difference there. And then they yeah, started throwing the ball more. And, yeah. and there you go. And Big Ben is known for interception, so that was just a recipe for disaster right then and there. I was more yeah, impressed but, with – as I was telling Troy, I was more impressed with the fact that Brady was able to – uh, kind of spread the ball out, but you know Hogan, yeah. that that kid is the, you know the Amendola, the uh, mm-hmm. you know just just the emergence. They're able to find and he like just came uh, over from They're able to find somebody to fill in that slot always, and and Hogan's this, that that's the guy this year to fill that slot. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of like the Falcons of Utah. Next man up, and that what Coach said. Yeah, that's what he said. You know, you got to step Whoever up. Whoever goes and down, next, next man, man up. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that? Uh, Troy, the the roster switch off, black, blue, and silver, that's like three teams coming to play you. The way the, the shift true. is in Utah, it's literally just overbearing. And when like you look at their scores. Like your first string, your second string, and then your practice score. Yeah. Yeah, and then you yeah. look at their scores at halftime. It's very depressing. It's like fifty to zero by the time you get to halftime. It's like wow. Yeah, yeah, I mean they confuse you at the same time of also making you commit to a war of attrition. So you know they're running yep. no huddle, and then they run up and they line up in a variety of different formations and they bring motion and you know half the time you don't even know where the ball is because you know you're hiding behind a a small line looking for a smaller player. And you know they're able to hide and dip and dive. I remember just playing against that that kind of offense. It was it was a nightmare. We prepared weekend, we, you know, all throughout the week. Any like way more than we did for teams that were running pro offense. And it was just so difficult to prepare for it. And um, when you saw it up close, you you had a lot more respect for it as well. And when you see the highlights, it's it's really impressive in that aspect because it looks like. Like the coach says, it looks like the other team ends up getting burned out before the half, and it's really what it is. It just it just get burned out. They they don't have enough rotation to keep up with it, and so you you got three tiers of rotation. You, <laughs> I feel bad for you. That's all I'm saying because that's a lot of Gatorade you got to take it in, and <laughs> yeah, if you're not conditioned right, uh, yeah. you're gonna be uh, on the losing end. You right already know it's sort of that feeling when you walk into the second quarter and you're getting your ass whooped. And you already know that after halftime, it's not going to be any different. It's like asking <laughs> yeah. for an, a leave or something, you know what I mean? Just a painkiller. Yeah. <laughs> Just alleviate the yeah. pain. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's disheartening. You know, it's a war of attrition. You get all tired and worn down, and you don't have enough bodies to, to fill those spots. Problematic. 
Let's talk about problematic here. Let's go overseas to Spain and week two of the Spanish league. Uh, the Barbera rookies who own this league, similar to Utah, uh, their first week it was 76-0. Their second week, 26-0 versus their arch rival, the Buffaloes, who they faced in the finals last year. Barbera rookies making a statement in the LNFAA Feminina in 2016 and 2017 they are just kicking butt they're probably they're on a route right now to uh, win the championship once again and that would be an, i mean it's already impressive and historic and they just keep on rolling so congratulations to barbera rookies for uh, winning their week two matchup against their arch rivals who they defeated in the uh, final last year and also defeated in the spanish cup the preceding spanish cup before the season started so 26 to 0 Fourteen to zero, Tarasa Reds um, start the season off. They had the bye week in the first week, second week. Tarasa Reds take care of Badalona uh, Drag Girls, fourteen to zero. Badalona did not win a game last year. I keep saying this; it's just a repeat, and continues to not win a game this year. So you know whatever is happening in Badalona, uh, it's not working. So I, I mean, I don't know what we need to do. You know, Facebook message or. We got to we got to help them out somehow to make make them aware that whatever they're doing it's not working, and scoring not scoring touchdowns isn't working either. It doesn't help you, so uh, they got to get it right here. Um, get the recap at lnfa.fefa.es.spain. Uh, you can check it on Twitter at hashtag lnfafeminina for all the updates. Uh, thank you to uh, the LaLigaSports.com and also on Twitter at LaLigaSports and also NFL Hispano for their coverage and previews. You can catch all that stuff on Facebook, on our Facebook page at Great Iron Beauties. We're also going to have a friendly match coming up February 10th through the 12th. It is going to be in Finland. It is between the Helsinki Wolverines and their uh, representatives of the SAJL, which is the Finland uh, uh, National uh, League. They're taking on BAFA, the BAFA champion, British American Football Association Women's Champions, the Birmingham Lions, and that'll be an international friendly that's going to happen February 10th through the 12th, and we'll have some uh, updates as well in coverage through uh, double coverage as well and UK first down, and we'll, and we'll end up working with a, a lot of other players within the both teams to see if we can get some updates as well. So uh, the friendly will happen February 10th through the 12th as all these teams get ready and geared up for the IFAB World Championship that's going to happen in Canada this summer. And as speaking of the championships, uh, USA Trials took place this weekend, January 20, uh, 21st through the 24th. The roster for the USA national team will not be set until the middle of February. As soon as that is posted, we will update you as to who made the squad. A lot of WFA, IWFL, talented uh, individuals on the roster, hopefully, and some veterans. The uh, Football Canada roster has been announced. We announced it a while back, and so uh, you can check that out on our Facebook page as well, or you can go to footballcanada.com and check out the women's tab, and you can get the roster for the 2017. Football Canada looking, obviously, for gold, uh, two times silver in 2010, 2013. You, Team USA, of course, gold in the inaugural um, championship uh, tournament in 2010, as well as the return tournament, the second tournament in 2013. Uh, Women's World Football Games 4 will start tomorrow, go through the 29th. Thank you for Odessa Jenkins and Holly Holly Custis 
for posting some uh, Facebook Live that we can share on our Facebook page at Gridiron Beauties as well. So appreciate that. And the final roster uh, for the um, uh, final roster, I mean the uh, the the games, the event, uh, the WWFG Four starts tomorrow through the 29th, including the uh, Pro Bowl, NFL Pro Bowl within that weekend. So all these uh, players are going to get a chance to be part of the uh, excitement at Disney World at the Wide World Sports uh, in conjunction with the NFL Pro Bowl. So uh, check out, like I said, uh, our Facebook page for all the updates. And shout out to, once again, to Katie Sowers and the Atlanta Falcons. She's part of the coaching staff and part of the staff. And she is going to Houston to the Super Bowl uh, with her Falcons. So congratulations to her. And, uh, and the Falcons, and hopefully they can pull it off and beat uh, TB12. So that's all the uh, women's news notes that I have for today. Yeah, definitely looking forward right. to um, keeping all the rest of the updates going, um, you know, especially in the Lexford League. So uh, great to see you all, hearing all the ladies doing well for those leagues as well, too. Yeah, overseas, they're going to start to kick off uh, this coming uh, February. We got uh, Gridiron Victoria kicks off as well. Then as we get into April, all the U.S. leagues pretty much are in in play, which is the WFA, the IWFL, the USWSFL, the IWFA. Um, So if you want to keep tabs on all this stuff, uh, go to – also you can follow our insider, which is Michael Burmy on Facebook at Michael Burmy, and he's got all the latest updates that we get. And then uh, as the season comes into play, Troy, our, our pal Neil Rosenthal will be coming on to the show as well during the WFA season. Gives us the insights and, and scoop week to week on what's happening in the, in the uh, season as it's coming up in April through July. So it's going to be interesting to have him back as well. Absolutely. Yeah, he's a savant. Neil is a savant, man. I mean, you ask that guy anything about women's football, he just has it right off the top. Crazy. I mean, he's literally, he's like a walking encyclopedia for real, which is actually funny considering that's his book, The Encyclopedia of Women's Football. But he literally is like a walking encyclopedia of women's professional football. Yeah, and you can't have have him or Burmy not around because they're both very knowledgeable of the sport and it gives us real good insights as well. And speaking of Neil, you can go to neilrosenthal.com and he also has the uh, encyclopedia on Amazon. So you can go to our website, uh, our Facebook page as well. You can get the link there, or you can go directly to his page at neilrosenthal.com. You can get the uh, encyclopedia. It's a pretty good read. Um, I have my copy, and it's very interesting and very uh, enlightening in terms of the sport and its history. And so uh, it also includes some international keynotes as well from uh, overseas leagues. So he's done a very good job in trying to be as thorough as possible with it. So congratulations for his laboring of work and putting that together as well. Um, Speaking of laboring, do Troy, we have any promotions right now that we're running before we get off? We're only, uh, the only we thing off? we have on Zazzle is leggings up to 30% off. So if you got, if you like leggings, there's a couple designs Love. by Aaron Giftford. And at the same time, uh, we have some uh, new partnerships that we're going to be announcing probably within the next uh, 60 days uh, with new designs. So we'll roll those out uh, on Twitter. And uh, so – and also, we want to thank everybody for making us number one on Twitter. I uh, appreciate that. Number one on Twitter for covering Women's Great Iron as well as NFL Insights. So really appreciate that. And everybody that networked with us, I want to just uh, give my appreciation to everybody that also supports us and retweets us and, 
helps us out as well. So really appreciate that. Hopefully we're well, going to get to a level here soon where we can actually travel. Yes. So I'm hoping we get to a level this year where we can actually travel. Um, <laughs> I'm looking for, uh, yeah, I'm looking for East Coast right now because you guys are on the East Coast and it makes more sense for me to commit there. So at Coast this point I'm looking uh, for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find a method to stay within the region where you guys are at. So it's, somewhat cost effective you know not so much uh travel time you but just, at the same time you, you know uh, to the pro football that's all you just get the passes to the pro football so we can get to the event and cover the event we got the travel oh yeah because you gotta remember yeah, I no, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work i'm trying to work some uh yeah i'm trying to work some stuff right now I'm trying to get on you trying to i'm trying to get on itunes and then we're working on trying to get on soundcloud so we can get a little bit more revenue that way. And then once the revenue comes in, yeah. obviously it's going to be dispersed to you too. So uh, it's going to be going towards, you know, obviously the travel, the expenses, because uh, it, it, it is, it is a cost, you know, I've, and anything you do, there's always some sort of overhead cost. So we have to cover that in order for us to be comfortable because it's not fair. Uh, for me, it's never been fair to ask somebody to, you know, come out out of pocket um, and, and do that kind of stuff. So it's like, if you don't have the means, be upfront about it and say, you don't have the means and you don't have the means. So it's the way it works until you can obviously generate some revenue. Then at that and point, then you, maybe should, a you should be able to cover and a YouTube, a YouTube channel. So everybody can see our fabulous faces because these faces were not made for radio. They were made for TV. I just thought. Yeah. No, YouTube channel we have, and I'm, I'm working on that as well this year. So we'll, we'll, we'll get onto it during the season as well. Um, I really would rather, you know, uh, do something different, but we're going to do something really different this year. I think on YouTube, it, it would be awesome. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll discuss it within the next couple of weeks here as to who wants to take over that platform and kind of figure out some sort of tidbit news uh, insights and stuff like that. And, and, and it should work out pretty well as well. So uh, a lot of things in 2017 that I'm excited about, but nothing concrete and hopefully like I said, the expense part of it is where I'm kind of driving towards because right. uh, as everybody knows the shop is self-funded. We don't, I don't put right. money into it. And Keisha, you're not putting money into it. Troy, you're not putting money into it. So the shop is really self-funded. What, what it is is everybody that goes to buy a gift, a T-shirt or a leggings pair on the shop, that money gets recycled to an athlete. So That's we just right. turn around and take the money back to an athlete and we put apparel onto an athlete. And we're talking about, you know, different people that we've done it in the past. We've done it with Christy Moran. We've done it with uh, Laura Evans. Uh, most recently, we've done it with uh, Min, Min Min Zhao out of, uh, out of Sweden out there, as well as other athletes that we have on board coming on. So, you know, the sales are really important. If you buy something from the shop, um, it goes back to promoting a player once we get enough funding to promote and send out the gear. So it's a self-promoted give back to a player to recognize. Our goal is really just to uh, make people aware of the athlete, the face to the athlete. This woman, this girl, whoever it may be, this individual plays American football. So that's our statement that we want to put out there. And the women's game is, you know, when you see it firsthand, it's fundamentally sound. It just depends on what team you're watching. But if you're watching the top-tier teams in the nation, which would be, you know, the Divas, the, the Elite, and the Renegades, the Force, the Surge, 
uh, the Falcons, you know, whatever team you're watching. But if it's high-level squads, you are watching fundamentally sound football, and our slogan can be no debate. It is no-joke football. So that's what our slogan really means. It's no-joke football. So that's what our slogan is. Um, So you guys go to the shop. There's actually Zazzle uh, savings almost every day. So you just take a look at the shop at zazzle.com forward slash Great Beauties. Use the codes up on top. If there is no code for some odd reason, you can, you're always welcome to use order ship 10. Order ship 10 will save you 10% every time. So that's uh, pretty much what we're at now. Um, anything else in Keisha I may have missed? No, that's it for the good of the order. Uh, you know, again, Oscar, thank you for your vision, uh, for your dream, and for your dedication, you know, to providing the best coverage that these ladies deserve and also for creating this amazing platform that allows us to continually come together, you know, week after week after week, you know, like you said, we're, we're truly self-funded and, you know, through the ins and outs, the technical difficulties, the, you know, our crazy schedules, you just continually plug away and it's your dedication and commitment that keeps, me coming back, you know, this is literally what my third year now. And I keep coming yeah. back because I'm inspired by your dedication and commitment. And I, plus I just truly enjoy the camaraderie, you know, with you and Troy. And I, I just want to say thank you as we get ready for this new season of uh, ladies professional football. Yeah. And you want, you know what, the networking has been amazing, you know, via Facebook, via Twitter, via Instagram. Um, I have to applaud everybody that networks, networks with us because they are a key part of us getting feed and information. Um, we are breaking it down. I told a couple, a couple players before, you know, our Facebook page is really a weekly recap of all things that are yeah. happening in the sport. Uh, because a lot of players are like, well, you know, I want to promote my team. We're not promoting every team. We are That's promoting right. the best of the best. We are putting right. an NFL-style feel to the page where everybody can see that these are the best of the best, whether it be international, whether it be domestic, whatever it may be, these are the best of the best because that is the focus that we need to drive to. We don't need to have the fan dive into 60 teams. They need to dive exactly. into the top – two or three teams in the nation so that those teams can start getting recognized where people can dive in and say, what are the DC Divas? What is the Dallas Elite? What is the Utah Falcons? You know, what is the uh, Helsinki Roosters? What are the, you know, uh, the Baffa, the Birmingham Lions of, 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 you know, of England, you know, and things like that. So that's the teams that we try to put and showcase on our Twitter feed. It is more daily breaking news, health tips, and more of NFL, you know, t- content because it's relevant and related to it. So on our Twitter feed, it's more of a daily interaction, and we try to do our best to try to get everybody engaged into what is women's American football. And so it's it's videos, it's visuals, it's uh, articles, inspiring stories, and then we transfer some of that over to our Facebook page. On our Instagram, it's really showcasing the best moments in the sport within that week or within that couple weeks when the seasons are live in whatever league, internationally or domestically, and showcase one or two athletes or a whole team for their uh, achievements and contributions. So a lot of players have said, well, I'm, I'm not able to get on your gallery. You won't get on the gallery unless you're making a statement and you're doing great as a team. 
and you're putting that out. So we're showcasing the best of the best, and that's what we try to do, the, the MVPs of individual leagues or sports. And we're trying to make people aware that there are high-caliber athletic women playing American football, whether it be domestically or international, and that's our main awareness. Um, YouTube, we've lagged on that. This year we're going to make a better commitment, obviously, to YouTube and try to get a better platform for YouTube as, as well. But, uh, you know, it's just been a, a journey uh, since I started this in, what, 2009, and uh, thanks to BJ Coletta for giving me the opportunity to go forward with it and drive it, and it's been uh, an exciting journey with your, you know, your contributions, Troy's contributions, uh, Eric Brown's before that, Eric Lynn Anderson. Um, so you know, it's gotten to the – we've come full circle now, and uh, as of, I think, yesterday, we were at almost close to 18,000 on all platforms. So we got 18,000 – now we're now we need to really get the radio platform engaged on a higher level. So our goal is um, hopefully by the middle of summer here, before the season kicks off, we'll be on iTunes and maybe on Sound uh, SoundCloud down the road here as well. So uh, just making a little bit of strides and doing our best to do that. So, but I can be no more appreciative, you know, to the uh, individuals that have networked with us. And so um, you know, thank you very much for everybody that has supported us, that keep, continues to listen to us, and also gives us uh, the, you know, the passion that we have for the sport and the drive to cover the sport. And uh, so it's going to be an exciting 2017 in terms of the, you know, just the WFA in general, because it's kind of like our NFL. So it's, that's, that's how we're treating it. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's just an exciting time, especially with um, all the leagues coming around, you know, around uh, the world and, you made a great point, and that you know, just that that just um, you know, kind of drives home the point of what you were focusing on is the elite teams, is the teams that that you know that bring that excitement, you know. So you know, that's what you want to do. You want to highlight those teams because, just like you said, there's so many leagues out there right now. But to try to focus on the big ones, um, that drives the sport, that drives traffic. Um, so I just think. Um, you know, I, I definitely agree with the with that uh, approach that you have. Yeah, you. I mean, if you talk about marketing and you talk about analytics, and I can go geeky and nerdy right now, but when you start getting into, you know, everything that happens in terms of a marketing aspect of it, um, there are there are certain drivers and key points, and in case you will, you know, obviously attest to that as a PR person, there are some things that you just have to you know, uh, one, two, and three, you have to stay on focus on those things because those are the things that are going to bring you traffic. A lot of times people don't understand social media in a, in a sense because they just assume, you know, put up a post and you're engaging. Well, posts don't become engaging unless they have real good content or something behind it. So that's what we have to do, you know, to bring an audience to the sport to make people aware that there's even this sport, you know, and it's alive. Uh, I know I, I talk to a lot of people on the rugby side, and they have the same difficult, uh, uh, you know, things that we have here with women's American football. They have the same uh, barriers and obstacles. Um, the only difference is their sport is more accepted internationally in some of the uh, European uh, countries as more of a, you know, football football, uh, where our sport is more American and overseas it's starting to grow and pick up some sort of an audience.
So we're right around the corner from uh, from April, and that's around the time when the uh, WFA is going to start back up, and also the IWFL. Is that, that's right. They start in April this year, right? Yeah, April, the middle of April. Yeah. So you know, got to get uh, you know that's that's the one where you still want to sit back and see how all of this is going to come out. And uh, has the schedules come out yet? Because I, I haven't seen the, the schedules. Schedule. Yet. Schedule is going to be finalized, uh, I'd say, on the website probably the middle of February to uh, probably middle of February or late February. That's usually when they start finalizing their schedules 30 days before the season opens. Um, but, you know, they'll they'll start doing it. The IWFL thing is going to have more of a challenge this year because of the fact that some teams are leaving. So as soon as the schedules are up, we will post them on our Facebook page on the link for the schedule, as well as um, you can always go to WFAFootball.net, IWFLsports.com. You can check it out there and, and see what the schedules are like. Um, Troy, we got a, a couple minutes here. Legends Football League, uh, the R- Pittsburgh Rebellion has an- announced that they're going to be the new team. The New England Liberty gets let go. So Omaha does return this season, uh, and Alex Drake from the Liberty is going to go to Omaha. The uh, Dallas Desire is no longer returning. More of an issue, I think, with the owner uh, made a bad move there. Austin still stays. Uh, You're going to have the Denver Dream uh, now replacing Dallas Desire. Uh, So a lot of shuffle and a lot of stuff going on in the LFL that uh, happens almost every other season, if not every season at this point. But uh, I think a mistake was made getting rid of Dallas. That's probably the only thing I would have to say. Yeah, I mean, especially, um, you know, with the amount of talent that they had on that team, number one, and then, the, you know, more importantly, the coaching staff. I mean, you got the Bullet Brothers. Did a fantastic job of getting that, that squad ready last year. And you just wonder where they're going to land after this. Um, you know, I, 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 I keep my eye on that. I want to find out where they land at. Yeah, and it's it's just a sad situation because he had a good um... – good fan base there and it, all of a sudden now you know the fan base is just disappointed once again so bad move I think to New England to begin with because that's just a far away north he should have just revived maybe Philadelphia or Tampa Bay or figured out a different way to you know put another team together Pittsburgh I don't know if it'll survive more than one season just seems like it's not going to be one of those valuable markets you know they're running uh, the rebellions running into uh, the hardcore of uh, women's traditional football, which is the Pittsburgh Passion. So I don't know how well they're going to do there, especially with the, uh, you know, the the way that both leagues don't really muster each other on on occasion. Um, so we'll see how that works out. But the West, um, the schedule came out. You can check out the schedule at LFLUS.com. There's some issues there. L.A. and Seattle do not play each other until probably in a playoff mode. More East Coast versus West Coast type of matchups. Um, so take a look at the LFLUS.com schedule if that's what you're inclined for. Otherwise, um, it's going to be a, kind of a rocky road. We'll see how it turns out uh, between those, uh, you know, those changes that were made um, and see if Omaha even revives itself. Uh, Austin, I think, will be the stronger squad this year. I don't know what Denver's going to look like because they haven't had their tryouts yet. But tryouts are January 28th, coming up here for certain teams. Get the schedule for the tryouts at uh, LFLUS.com. All right, guys, uh, we got like five minutes, so uh, any shout-outs to anybody on social media before we get out of here? I want to thank uh, me personally. I want to thank AFI Review for uh, helping us out as well and looking forward to the future with a relationship with them. 
So we're still working out some uh, details, and hopefully that will come to uh, be and a bigger platform for us too. So. Well, I um, just thank you and Troy. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Nkishi. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. Love coming on here with you guys. Like I said, I, I really and truly enjoy our chemistry, and I, and I think that we have uh, a nice vibe. And what I think that I really love the best about what we do is that unlike other shows, I'm not just sitting and watching and looking back and forth while you two actually discuss stuff. It's crazy, right? I actually get to be part of the conversation. Yeah, no, we we try to be inc- we try to include everybody in here because that's no, the way it is. Do, you know? No, we do. I'm just being I'm just being shady because you guys know a lot of times when other when females are on shows with all males, it's like the poor females literally have no voice or opportunity to be an active and engaging participant, you know, or to showcase their actual sports knowledge and information. So that was me throwing a little shade. But no, I really, truly, I love the camaraderie and the chemistry, and I think that it really, truly is a nice balance. We we have, uh, since we started the show in Kishi, that was one of my goals is to have uh, a female presence on the show because otherwise it's just kind of a mute point where two jocks are just talking about stuff, but you can't relate to the other half. So uh, as well, now my, you have my wife, out. lovely wife, as my lovely wife would say, if you don't get a woman's point of view, you have no clarity. So I've learned that over well, my marriage. Very hard to so talk. Uh, very works. hard to talk about. The, yeah, crazy how that works. How how men like to talk about females. How's that? Crazy female how that works. Yeah, but the value, but the lucky thing for you is that you ended up with three jocks. You didn't just get a female. You have a female and a former jock, and a three sport jock yeah. at that. Football, basketball, and soccer, and cheerleading. So that makes me a quadruple. No, we, we love your insights. Uh, as much as we like to poke fun at you, we, we do love your insights. No, and I love learning from you guys, especially our historian on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> Professor X over there. <laughs> yeah, he's okay. laughing. He's laughing because he's got a wife, too, and I can tell you that we have to keep ourselves safe. <laughs> Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, it was great. Thanks for uh, Coach Rasmussen of the Utah Falcons for coming on and giving us all those football knowledge and insights. And I'm pretty sure Troy and myself and yourself and Kishi, we very enlightened on how they just you know blow everybody away and their chemistry and their three tier system. And it just I, I bet you it's wild to play them. So congratulations to Utah for all their success. Uh, and thanks to Luis Bean for making it possible to get Coach Rasmussen on as well. And for Everybody else out there, thank you for tuning in. Uh, share our post, and and uh, we'll catch you next week right here on the Great Iron Blitz, right here on Block Talk Radio. Have a great night, everybody. Good night.